to sin, it would be better for him to have a large milestone hung around his neck to be drowned into the depths of the sea. Can I just say that God, Jesus, has left, left a primacy of vision for children? Can, you guys see this here? That God thinks of children not just as cute, but as believers and children who are important for the mission and vision of the church. Think about this for a moment. Jesus conducted three resurrections from the dead. One of them was a child, Matthew 5. It is not just that Jesus had a heart for children. It was that Jesus was intentionally pointing over and over again, children matter in the life of the church. And if we're a church that does not put their children right at the forefront, and I don't mean, listen, even if you don't have children, you got to look at them as the future of the church. If we don't do that, then we're completely uh, losing out on what God has left for us in this age of grace. As we are here called to have a mission, Matthew 28, uh, 18, to make disciples. And what we mean by that is beginning at the home with our children and in our church. So Jesus was intentional. So this morning, it's going to be a little different. You know, I'm going to get you along in the bus with me. We're going to go along the ride. It's going to be a little different than usual. We're going to look at the culture, where we're at now. We're going to look at the challenges. And we're going to give you a little bit of what we're going to do. So, so it's very different. It's not an exegetical sermon, if I could say that. It's not a verse by verse like we've, we've done. It's more of a look at, our, look at the need, look at the Bible, and what are we going to do about it. But the fruit of what we're going to talk about this morning is not going to be weighed in next, this next year. Okay, if a year from now your kids are still disobedient, it's not our fault, trust me. It's not like that. This is 50 years from now. Will your children, would one of your child, uh, ch children be standing where I am 20, uh, you know, uh, in, in the year 2050 and preaching this gospel that we're preaching? Or are they going to be preaching a different gospel? Are they going to be uh, uh, buckling under the culture? What type of children are they going to be 50 uh, in the year 2050? Let me pray, yeah? Father, uh, we, we ask you this morning as we talk about the culture and our calling and our role, not just as parents, but as a corporate body. Lord, that you told, you called children to come to you. Lord, you, 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 you gave a warning to those who lead children to sin. Father, that we may take this um, really soberly uh, as a calling and a vision for us that the future of the church is in our hands. That we will not be here, many of us, 30 years from now. Many of us will pass. Many of us will be gone in other endeavors, but we want our children to be resilient uh, for the ministry of the gospel. We ask and we thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the sermon is going to be probably a little shorter than usual because I want us to pray at the very end for our children and uh, for, for parents as well. So let me begin with this. From every denomination, every study, that uh, uh, every organization, Barna Group, Lifeway Research, you, you can name any research um, that, that you can look um, online, you can order, Every research has found that over 60 to 70 percent of all young teenage adults who leave for college end up leaving the church. Okay, think about that for a moment. 60 to 70 of all um, young teenagers end up leaving the local church as they go to college. Many of them went to Sunday school. Many of them know every single story in the Bible. Many of them had friendships when they went to church. But they left it all behind as soon as they got a taste of the culture. Now, we do not lack tools. Today, there are churches that their children's ministry, it's like, I mean, it's like a party. I want to go to the children's ministry. You know, that's incredible it is. We do not lack the tools. We have innovation. We have BBS. We have money. We have programs. Yet, Three out of ten people, just three out of ten, only three out of ten people end up growing into a relationship with Jesus during their teenage and adolescent years. Just think about that for a moment. That's a, that's a tragedy for us. Add to that the, the changing landscape that we live in, the division in which we're in, the different views of the gospel, the deterioration of marriage, of the family, and what you have is you have a great need to, for revival in the ministry of children. But... Having said that, there are a glimmer of good news. Um, one organization, uh, See You at the Pole, I don't know if you know who they are, but they're an organization where, um, you know, if you know you, uh, every once a year, uh, kids gather and go to the, the flag and they pray, right? Now how it works. Um, they found that less and less people are doing it. 
less and less kids are, are, are bold about their faith. But the good news is, is the Barnard Group research has conducted a, a research with them that says that there's a small number of young Christians, these three out of 10 that are coming to know Christ, that are actually not only, that they're not part of the dropout trend, but they're actually people who long to be part of the local church, who long to be under discipleship, and who long for growing in the scriptures. They call this resilient disciples. And I think that's a good term as we think about the year 2050. Resilient. How resilient are our children here today? How resilient in their faith are they when they face the coming storm of their culture? Spiritual resiliency describes a spiritual resilient, uh, resistance young disciples have within a culture. Okay? Uh, resilience speaks to the type of discipleship that equips them and strengthens them to sustain the blows and weight of the culture. Okay? Um, you know, I wasn't a Christian, so um, I, I know, I mean, I know firsthand the pressures that we have when we gather into a peer group, especially in school. Now, our, our, let, me tell, let me tell you something. My kids, they're facing the same thing, and so are our children. And so I want you to think about this for a moment. How do we see our children? Is it really possible that 70% of all children are leaving their faith? When you see your child, do you see resiliency? Or do you see them as simply moving away from the faith that you believe? As a parent, you want resiliency in your child. You want your child to adapt, to maintain emotions, to be at ease when troubles come. How much more should we long for their spiritual life to be resilient, right? Don't you want your kid as he plays baseball and he gets hit and you go, get up, Johnny. I mean, come on, be a man. I mean, don't you want your kids to be resilient? We all do. Get over it. Let's keep going forward. Let's, be, let, let's move to our goal. Well, how much more should we have this heart for our spiritual dynamic of our people? Now, think about the children of our church and let me favor it differently. Do you see your child today? Think about your, you know, just think about your, the children that we see. All of them are so cute, so amazing. Do you think of them today as the leaders in the church in 2050? Do you even have a vision for them? Do you see them in that light? You and I, let me, let me just say this, you and I are not the future of the church. I mean, I love you guys. But the future of the church is those who are here and walking in these hallways. How differently would we engage in children's ministry if they knew that we're engaging with the leaders of the church and the leaders of the future church are in the middle of a war? You guys catch that? If they're the leaders of the church, and we know they're the leaders of the church, how would we treat them and how would we act if we know that right now they are at war with the culture? We wouldn't retreat, but we're gonna, we would go head on. Another question, this is a set of questions that I wrote for myself and for us. Will today's children be strong enough in their adult years to lead the church and to influence their friends in the year 2050? You guys thinking, th think this with me. Just take a moment. Think about the children around us. Or are they buffeted by everything that comes their way? This is why the future relies on, on one main idea for us here at Garwood Church, and it's child discipleship child discipleship. It is not just that we're going to have a great mission and we're going to know, grow, uh, learn, and, and, lead, and, and lead for Christ as, as we want to do for the adults, but we have a responsibility for child discipleship. Okay, and we're going to tell you what we, we believe that is. But every week, think about this, 100 to 200 churches close, much more so during this pandemic, six to 10,000 a year. Now add to that, so there's less churches, okay? How many of those churches are preaching gospel? I'm going to just tell you, not a lot. We're going to narrow that down. Out of that, uh, children's ministry accounts for 30 to 45 minutes during a regular attendance, which has dropped dramatically in the last 25 years. People that used to go to church every single Sunday now are going to church once or twice a month. There's a quote here um, by David Kennanen who wrote uh, Faith for Exiles, a ministry for, for children. He wrote this. The data indicates um, that an hour a week, or more likely an hour or so every few weeks, when a young Christian shows up to the church is simply not sufficient amount of weight to the tone of the heart bloated with hundreds of hours of content from digital Babylon. 
Some data shows that Christian children, this is Christian children, this is, not, this is Christian children, are attending church just once a month or twice a month, which if you put that in the context of 30 minutes of ch children's ministry is a total of 24 hours a year. Think about this, church. 24 hours of biblical instruction. The question is, who's doing the discipleship? You may think, you may be here this morning and say, yeah, my children are all right. We're good. Well, well, if you're not discipling your children, and if the church is not discipling your children, the question is, who is discipling your children? So let me give you two, 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 two ways in which our children are being discipled. And I want you to, to take this as, as, as really a, a calling to change, a calling to take on responsibility as a church and as a people and as parents. Our children are being discipled first, by the culture. Let, let, me, let me give you an illustration of what happened to us. Our girls were homeschooled uh, until, um, I mean, in and out until 12 now, and because uh, Chrystia, um, you know, we, she got a job, they needed to go back to public school. So we're filling the girls' public school list, and they begin to ask questions, and they ask my oldest, Elizabeth, um, what gender are you? Male, female, or non-binary? Ellie calls me, and she says, Daddy, what's non-binary? Okay. I have to explain to her, begin to have a conversation about things that she's too innocent yet to understand. The, the culture is already telling her that she needs to know about non-binary gender. And I have to explain to her, and she goes, well, what's wrong with that? Right? Because she doesn't get the concept. She's not mature enough. But the culture is already teaching her non-binary gender. That's one. The next question was, what, uh, what pronoun would you like to use, Ellie? Them, they, their, he, she, and she said, am I not a she? I said, yes, but that, why, then why would it have all these options? I have to explain to her that there are people that believe that they're a them, both male and female. So as a parent, I look at that, and, and she's already, no, she's 12, she already knows what all that, those things are. Do I want my daughter to know that? No. But the culture already began to teach her that. Okay, that's one example. The culture is gathering ideas about science, gathering ideas about um, behavior, about uh, mental illness that is sweeping them, that is throwing them into the mud. When, when answers to these questions come, of course we have a role to answer them, but many times we're not ready, aren't we? We're like, oh, how did that just happen? If we're not, we ourselves are not rooted in prayer and wisdom, we're going to simply say, uh, well, um, you know, it's okay. Everybody's the same. Let, love is love. That's not, that's not what Christianity is called to be. With the ruling of Obergefell and Hodges in 2015, which legalized same-sex marriage, we've seen an incredible rise, an incredible rise of this doctrine in our schools, doctrine even in our culture if i was to ask you today do you believe in same-sex marriage you know we you know that's a conversation that you should ask yourself what does the bible say um how about darwinism how about modern television binge culture here's what's happening church is that today if, if i if i'm saying this to many you know even online and even to you to, to say what i'm saying this morning is, to, dis is uh, to disagree with someone's position is, is, is to risk being accused of hatred. Do you know that? that? If I post this on Facebook, Facebook will block me. If I put this on YouTube, YouTube will block me. Why? Because the culture doesn't like it. But yet my children are engulfed in this culture. Our children have to eat it up every single day, and then I come on a Sunday morning, and we teach them about the gospel for 30 minutes, and then they go back into it. Church, we have a responsibility for the future of the church. Amen? The culture. One. Two, the screen culture. You ready for this? Zero to eight years old spend 50, an average of 50 minutes on a screen. Okay? I'm guilty. <laughs> Little David's hungry. You know, got to put the video. Um, zero to eight years. So I'm with you guys. Trust me. I'm with you. I'm struggling with you. Uh, zero to eight years old, 50 minutes. 8 to 12-year-olds, okay, the average is 6 hours. 6 hours. Teenagers, over uh, 9 hours. All studies 
uh, emerging from screen usage is that children are learning much more from screens than from their parents. They're learning much more uh, from all the things that they watch. Their brain is changing. Their addictive behavior is rising. Their well-being, their mental uh, health is changing. Kids' screen usage puts the brain, as one scientist put it, on pause. Okay? Uh, in fact, he, he said this. I have this quote. A child addicted to screens is like the lights are on at the house, but no one's home. Okay? The light is on at the house, but no one is home. Not only that, do you want to know how pornography gets in? You ever heard of this app called TikTok? You ever heard of that app? No? Okay, good. You didn't. That's a good thing. You don't want to know about it. Okay, pornography is at the palm of your hand. Graphical music lyrics, X-rated clips, explicit texting, all here at the palm of your hand. Yo, yeah, my kid's a great kid. My kid is not on the culture. Trust me, he's a good guy. What about the phone, though? because the culture now is at the palm of your hand. Parents, and this is for us, Christy and I, man, we, we struggle with this too. We are in no better place. We, uh, they estimate that adults spend an 11 hours in some sort of uh, uh, TV, media, uh, phone media. In fact, if you add this up and time it up, an average adult will spend 11 years of his life looking at a, a, at a phone. 11 years of their life. This matters to us. Our vision is to see Christ at the center of everything, even our phone usage. Now, that's radical. But that's what we're called to be. And it begins first at the heart and at the home. It's not, it, I, could do, I could be doing great endeavors for God. I could be doing great work and outreach, great missional outreach. But if my kids are being swept under the culture and if I am wasting away my life, let me tell you something, brother. You know what Jesus, you know what, uh, I don't know if you heard that story when Jesus, um, you know, uh, people come to Christ uh, at the day of judgment and people are going to say, I did all these things for you. I healed in your name. I spoke in tongues. And do you remember what Jesus says? What does he say? Depart from me. I never knew you. We're going to be shocked how much time we've wasted. And this matters to us, okay? This matters to us because our children are the future of the church. And it's not just married people. It is all of us. It's seeing them and saying, okay, it, how is this child being discipled in the gospel of Jesus Christ? All right? So let me give you two answers, okay? Um, let me give you two answers. We're going to give you the world's answer to this, and I'm going to give you the biblical answer to this. So just so that you see how we're in a completely different season of, uh, in our culture, um, in 2015, the, the, the Huffington Post uh, gave a, um, an op-ed, and it said, um, and it talked about, is the church dying? Okay, is the church dying? And in it, um, they gave three ways that the church would not die. They said, listen, church, I'm a Christian. I'm a pa I believe he was a pastor. And he said, if you don't want the church to die and be empty, and to, you know how I began with all these young children leaving the church. If you don't want your children to leave, here's what you need to do. Here's a pastor. Here's a spiritual leader. Watch this. First, he wrote this. If the church wishes to have any kind of viable future, it must stop pretending that the Bible is infallible and that God is in it dictating uh, through divinely inspired and inerrant writers. He wrote this. It's time for religious people to grow up and stop reading the Bible if they didn't read it at all, because he knows that most Christians don't read the Bible, like a, a rule book dropped out of the sky by God herself. This is a Christian. Okay? I would, I would say to you that um, if we were to have this conversation with all our Christian communities, all our friends, and we began to tell them the urgency of the hour and began to say that the, the Word of God is true, how many of us truly believe it's true? How many of us truly see it in that light? Well, the culture is saying this. Can, can you just, like, Omar, calm down? <laughs> it's not that bad. World, look, look how beautiful it is. I'm successful. Life is good. Calm down. Calm down. No, we won't. We can't. Because the, the Bible is God's eternal word. It speaks all that we need for all of faith and life. So, so the first answer, just relax on the Bible thing. Okay, that's the world's answer. In other words, don't teach your children the Bible. Don't, don't let them take it. You know, Abraham's story, that's cutesy. Sunday school, that's cutesy. But don't go deep. 
Let, let them go to school and, be, and, and really have a vision for their profession. Number two, the church will have to end its losing war with science, biology, anthropology, if it expects any kind of reputable future. He writes this. In fact, it makes the church look like a laughingstock of the world when re religious leaders in the church seek to perpetuate a myth that there was a time in history when men were perfect, created in perfection when they fell. This is a myth. We told ourselves and we know it's a lie from a long, long time ago. How do you view creation, Genesis chapter 1 to 3? Do you view it as a real thing? Do you think it's an actual event? Do you believe in the actual six days of creation? Well, I don't know. Well, I'm an evolution, evolution, evolutionist. I'm a Darwinist. That, that's, a false, that's, a false, uh, that's false Christianity. If you believe in the inerrancy of the word, that's false Christianity. Yet our children have to, have to get all this, and then they come to us, and we have to teach them. I mean, at least we do in our home. We try to teach them and, and help them with biology, science, anthropology. In other words, parenting, parents, is super hard work. Parents say amen to that. Listen, I, I told this to Christy. I said, if you're not struggling, I don't know if you're really a parent. <laughs> I mean, because there's, it's so hard to raise up godly children in a culture that's fighting you and fighting you and fighting you for it. So the culture, the, the world's answer is this. One, um, get rid of the Bible. Two, get rid of what the Bible says. And number three, uh, says that he wrote this, the church has lost its war on gender, race, sex, and the discrimination that it has waged against these contexts for decades. Can, can I tell you what that means? You need to accept all lifestyles. The church needs to allow every person uh, to get married. The church can allow anybody to lead. The church can allow anybody to take the church from one place to another. It doesn't matter what gender, race, and sex, or anything. I, 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 if you know anything about denominations, I, I've read several papers on gender from denominations. Many people look at gender, I don't know if you know this, as a, as a social construct. I don't know what that means. But it's simply something that society has placed on women. In other words, women are not really women. Right? W women are women because the culture has called you that, but women can do the same thing as men. Everything exactly the same. And I know for many of us, this is like, oh man, this is too conservative for me. This is, brothers and sisters, I compel you to stick to the Bible. I compel you this morning that as you believe in the Scriptures, we're raising up a generation who needs to have this right. We don't have the time to waste. 30 years from now, our children are going to be the one praying to a church, crying out for Bible uh, literacy and Bible centrality. We must give them that today as parents. All right, so that's the world's answer. Get rid of the Bible, get rid of what it says, and you lost. Just get with it. What's so wrong with people of all religions and faiths uh, going to heaven? What's wrong with, you know, uh, bisexual, gay, lesbian uh, being ordained? What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. Brothers and sisters, that is not the answer the gospel gives us. Let, let me give you a biblical response. And um, like I said, it's a little different this morning. So <laughs> take my, uh, my heart behind this as something as a parent that we've been praying about. And I know that God is going to do great things here. So we believe that for our children to endure the future, they will need to have a spine and a heart to stand on in their beliefs. That they could stand before their bullies and, and, and say, Jesus is my Savior. They could stand before their teachers and say, God created the world. They could stand before their peers and say, I will not succumb to sin. That is a backbone. That is what we desire here. So uh, what, what is it that we, uh, what is our role? What is our response here at Garwood Church and how we want to do this, not alone, but with you? So here's how we're going to do it. One, gospel content, okay? We want our children to become resilient disciples of Jesus as they know the gospel, embrace the gospel, and watch this, own it. You know what that own it means? Owning the gospel? That it is no longer mom and dad who believe in Jesus and I have to go to church because I have to, but what? It's mine. I'm the one that worships Jesus. I'm the one that uh, lifts my hands. 
Or, or like sometimes we have to do is like, raise up your hands, honey, you're worshiping Jesus, <laughs> as I tell my girls sometimes. Um, right? But, but that work is of the Spirit. In other words, the good news is the foundation of this vision of the future of the church, the gospel content that we need to have. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to... Um, this is what we want our children to proclaim. Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bible, uh, Pew Bible, it should be in front of you. I'm going to read out of that text to make sure we're on the same page. Romans 8. Let me, let me read um, 35 first. Look at this picture of the gospel. This is what the gospel produces. This is what the gospel produces. Verse 35. Look at this, like, uh, you know, if I could say invocation by Paul. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? He's asking this question. What's going to separate us from the love of God? When you think about the gospel as the foundation, can our children say that when they're being pressed by the culture? Can our children say that when they're being pressed to do things that they don't want to do? This is what the gospel produces. This cry is saying there's nothing that could separate us from the love of Christ. Do our children know the love of Jesus? Look at verse 38. Look at Paul again. Verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. If you, wanna, you want a Bible lesson for your kids tonight before you put them to bed, teach them that. Tell them, do you know that Jesus loves you no matter what, but that you rejected him in every single way? They need to know the bad news, right? They need to know the sin of humanity. They need to know what we've done in our rebellion against God, but they need to know the pouring out of grace into each one of their hearts. They need to see it and, and believe that they will not be separated from God under any which way. They need to feel loved, accepted by the Father in heaven. That's what children need. When I mean the gospel, I don't just mean like you're going to teach them, okay, Jesus loves you and, and amen to that. They need to feel loved by God. They need to feel that God is embracing them. They need to know that there's a Father who knows their struggle. Yes, they, they can't sit straight. You know, they're, they're, they're saying things they shouldn't. They're hitting the sister. But you know what they need to know? It's okay. God still loves you. That's the good news. They have to know the extent of God's love for them, not just to tell them that, uh, to be good. It's not just about telling them, do this and do that, but it's about telling them, you can do this. You can do that apart from God's grace. They need to experience God's love through, uh, through the love of God and the good news, uh, uh, good news of uh, Jesus' victory on the cross. All right? So, so here's the goal. Wherever we're going, it's going to be gospel content. Okay, it's going to be gospel as gospel as we can be in, in what we want to do. That is uh, how, how the future is going to be built. But I'm going to give you two, pra two practical ways we're going to do, the here, here, do this here at Garwood Church. One, we believe in family discipleship. Okay, this is really going to shrink our church real quick. Okay, uh, family discipleship. We believe that parents carry the spiritual torch for their children. Let me say that again. We believe that parents carry the spiritual torch for their children. The home is one of the best and toughest places to do this. Ready? Make disciples. One of the hardest, if you want to, I want to be a missionary. Man, I want to really do something big for Christ, my calling. I go, all right, make your wife a disciple. <laughs> make your child a disciple. Parenting is a high calling, whether you're a Christian or not. But if you've actively been trying to make the disciples of your children, you know that it's a huge task. And I, I, made, I made light of it before that how hard it is to, to build disciples, right? They, they don't want to pray when you tell them to pray. All they want to do is play, right? They, they, don't, they don't obey when you tell them to obey. But here's the good news that you, if I could say this, you're the pastor of the church. You're the ministers of the home. Deuteronomy, we have a, we have a calling here. Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 6 or 7 sa says this, and you, you're, maybe you're familiar with this. All these words I've commanded you today shall be in your heart. Talking about teaching children the laws, the law of Moses. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by them and when you lie down and when you rise. Look at verse 7. You shall teach them. 
Okay? Parents, how often are you teaching Scripture to your children? Parents, when was the last time you taught a Bible verse to your children? Not only that, you don't do it just, oh, let's just do it randomly one, you know, once every six months because I kind of feel it. Diligently. Can I, can I maybe give you my translation? Daily. We have to teach our children the Scriptures daily. And listen, we're not saying to have something prepared, to be super excited. Parents, it takes five minutes. All it, all it takes is, let, let's read Romans 8 in this verse. You know God loves you. Here's what it says. Paul wrote it. Do you know who Paul is? Paul is, it, it was an apostle. You know, Paul actually was never a Christian first. And then God met him. You want to read Acts chapter 9? Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Look how fun. I mean, you, guys, you guys with me? This is a conversation with children. If they're 2, 3, 4, 5, it's a conversation. If they're 7, 8, 9, 10, maybe you want something a little more organized. But here's the goal. We have a calling to teach diligently. And if you're working 40 hours a week, man, I get you. We're in that, we're in that right now, man. It's, it's not easy. I get it. But it's worth it. It's worth it. As you do it week in, week out, and you begin to see like little, little, seed, little fruit coming out of the child and, and, on, and, and their heart becomes tender to the truth of the gospel. Okay, look again. Verse 7. You shall talk to them. Talk with your child. I know that's very basic. I don't mean talk like, let's do this, let's get be busy. Connect with your child. What are they up to? What were their highs? What were their lows? What were their struggles? When you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, let me, let me bring it back to our culture, okay? When you go to the playground, when you take him to soccer practice, when you take him to uh, field hockey, like we're trying to do with, with my oldest, like when you go to tennis practice, you talk, and it's not talking about the Bible. That's not what we're saying. Talk about Bible. That's not what we're saying. But what's in their heart? What's in their heart? What, what, what weight do they have? What is it that's, that's, that's making them disobey? What, what is it that's making them, in, putting them in pain, and that's making them a struggle? If we don't talk, to, talk and teach to our children, we will never learn what their need is. You guys know that? If we never teach and talk to them, we will never know their need. We can't just wing it, parents. We can't just go, well, she's just disobedient. She just didn't sleep. I mean, we can say that as much as we want. But the, the, but the thing is this, is that your, your child is crying out for help. Did you know that? Your child is a person. Your child needs the gospel. They're crying out for help. They're crying to you. Disobedience is a cry for help. And whether you know it or not, you have a responsibility to teach them and lead them. And so, men, do you see yourself as the pastor of your home? Men, do you see yourself as the minister of the home? Do you put more preparation in your looks, in your job, in your career than five minutes praying with your children before you go to bed? The fact is that we have an incredible role, parents. We have, this is exciting to me. A season where their purity and innocence is tender soil for the gospel. We're not telling you to go preach in, in Newark like I used to do in Elizabeth, where people are, you know what they tell you? I don't want that. Give me food and give me, give me, give me liquor. I mean, that, that's what you used to do when we were younger. We're, we're actually telling you to evangelize the softest and most tender heart for the gospel, the fertile soil for the truth of God. And so, so that, but here's what I, and here's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up a little bit here, but here's what I mean. Ephesians 3.21 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I'm not saying that you become a Bible thumper. Okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, like I just said before, that you need to be just super Christian and super the way they need to dress and the way they need to do things. That word provoke means irritate. Okay? Discipleship is not an assignment of irritation. If you're irritated at your children, you're doing discipleship wrong. When you both become frustrated and ultimately give in, oh, go watch that movie. <laughs> oh, go, here's the iPad. <laughs> go there for an hour because I'm exhausted. Listen, we're there with you guys, okay? We're telling you this. Discipleship is a work of love. Tenderly, as we tend to our children in their weakness and saying, just, I'll be with you. I'm with you. You know, you know that's what child needs? I'll be with you. I struggle too. I, I, I also do things I want and, and I don't want to do them. And, but you know what I do? I go to Christ. And so you walk Him alongside and you both pray together. And so we're both in need of this. So parents, you carry 
90% of this responsibility. But do you see yourself in this way? Go tonight. This is your assignment, parents. Uh, you know, Deuteronomy 6. Go read that tonight as you go to bed and read Ephesians 3. Okay, so that, that's that. Okay, so that's you. He, here's the other way we're gonna, we believe this is going to work here at Garwood Church for the future of the church. We believe that this church has a great commission for children. This church has a history of, of, of ministry to children. I know from Nan and from John Sclafani and Mary Beth. I mean, I've heard some great stories here of what God has done. Kids that have come to their BBS here that now 30 years later, Denise, right? I think she's here somewhere. They've come to know Christ and they're walking in their faith. I mean, this is no small thing. Okay? And, and so um, here's what we're going to do. We have a responsibility to create an environment where kids feel like this is home. Like this is their church. Kids are starving for real authentic, authentic community and we want that in the children themselves. I want our kids to say, these are my people. We have this role of creating an environment where we live out the gospel together and not just adults. They need growth, they need pastoral care, they need teaching. So our kids need biblical teaching, even if it's 45 minutes a day. But we're gonna go a little further. And for that, I wanted to tell you about our partnership with Awana. Okay, I've heard of Awana for a long time, different ministries and pastors that I've connected with as an incredible tool for church discipleship. Okay, this is you guys and us. And, and where are the singles at? Any singles or non-kid, you know, parents with no kids or husband and wife with no kids? Anybody? All right, all right. This is not just married people. You guys know that? You guys are part of the church. You have a role to play in all this. Parents are not alone in this. You know who does this? The whole church. Okay? And, and we do it in a variety of ways. But let me, uh, I have a video um, about this partnership with Awana. And we're going to play it now so you guys get the heart of them and see how this connects to what we're saying. We see it within them. Hope. Wonder. Possibility. Their entire lives lay out before them with unlimited potential. Neither their culture nor circumstance will ever fully define them. Instead, their worldview will be shaped and their paths will be chosen by how well they come to know, love, and serve Jesus Christ. And that drives us at Awana in our global mission to disciple them. So during these most vulnerable and formative years, we ask, who will reach them with the gospel? Who will lead them? Who will empower them to change the world? For more than 60 years, God has used Awana to lead the world in long-term discipleship, reaching millions of kids from around the corner to across the globe by equipping leaders to evangelize and teach kids to become strong disciples of Christ through local church ministries, clubs, and missions of Awana. Generations of children have become teens and adults with strong biblical worldviews and active lives of faith. They pray more. They go to church regularly. They read scripture consistently. They stand firm in their beliefs. So as a new day welcomes the sounds of children and youth laughing, worshiping, and proclaiming the gospel, Awana stands ready, ready to reach kids, ready to equip leaders, ready to change the world. Anybody excited after that video? Isn't that awesome? Um, Awana is a ministry with a passion of child discipleship. Awana partners with churches, provides tools, lesson plans, in an environment where children can grow in their discipleship of Jesus Christ. Um, the name Awana is an acronym from approved workmen who are not ashamed, which is from 2 Timothy 2.15. Um, their vision is to reach kids, equip leaders, and change the world one at a time. Okay? And so because um, children matter to us, we're putting all our chips in this uh, child discipleship vision. Um, and here's here how that's going to happen. How that's going to happen. Uh, we want to do a, um, we're going to have a meeting for parents next Sunday. But starting in January, we want to begin to have, um, provide tools for parents to have uh, child discipleship, all of us together, once a week in their home. Through accountability, we're going to check up how you're doing. We're going to be praying with you. Um, so that by VBS next year and next September, we, we open up in a WANA club here at Garwood Church. 
This club is going to be handled by a couple of people, maybe some of the parents that were doing um, you know, um, child discipleship at home. But um, the goal is to open it up to our community, open it up to kids to come for th uh, two to three hours and learn the Bible. It's an evangelistic outreach ministry. Um, but for now, we're going to keep it first at home. We want to do it ourselves together. We want parents to develop at least a rhythm of child discipleship. And so in the next coming weeks or months, we're going to meet Gary and Sharon Woodrow, which are from Awana. They have served for 33 years at Awana, and they're, mis uh, they're missionaries for Awana. And so we've already been in contact with them. So it's been uh, a real blessing. So that's, that's what I wanted to share with you this morning. Um, I did want to pray for parents. Can we do so? Is that all right? Um, those going to be shorter. Maybe, maybe it is. But um, yeah, let's take some time and pray. And um, I want you to think about what we talked about this morning, the aspect of the culture and uh, family discipleship and how we're going to play a role in that reality. Um. If you, if you, um, you have uh, children, I want you to just pray for them right now. Just let's, before we pray for parents, let's pray for our children. If you have a, a child, let's pray, pray your ch uh, child, say their name. And if you don't have a children, would you think of a child right now? Would you think of one of our, think of them right now. Don't think about yourself and just pray for them. Just you do it. Take a moment and just lift them up in prayer. think of a parent. I want you to think of a parent now. Think of a parent that you know here. Think of a parent this morning and I want you to just pray for them. Just think of them and just begin to pray. Just lift them up in prayer. Maybe there's things that you know about that family that they need help in. Just lift them up and pray. Let's pray. Father, we, we come before you and we just repent as a church. Lord, for maybe looking at children as just some just cute children. But Lord, you see them as a fertile soil for the gospel. You see them as the tender ones who would lead this church in the year 2050. Father, we lift them up together that your Holy Spirit, O oh God, may do a work in our children through the ministry of the home and the church. Father, I also lift up every parent here. And if you have a parent near you, would you just extend your hands to them? If you know they have a ch child, would you just, if you're near them, would you just extend your hand to them? Let's just pray. Let's just do that. Let's just, if you have a parent near you that you know they have children, just extend your hand to them and pray with me. Yeah? Father, we pray for this one. We pray for this parent. The struggles in discipleship that they've had, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, the struggles of, of just knowing how to handle um, their friends, how to handle attitudes, how to handle rebellion. Lord, I pray that they may see how, Lord, you handle them, how you have seen their rebellion, how you have seen their uh, walking away and you have gone after them and you have loved them and you have poured out everything all the way to Calvary Lord that there may be there may be more grace upon grace in this parent Lord to love their children to shepherd them Lord to teach them diligently the scripture 
This is not about ministry. This is about the future of the church. Lord, give parents bigger vision for their children. Father, we, we ask you for every parent and, and that, that may be strengthened by what, we, uh, what you said this morning. And Lord, I also just this morning, I want to pray for the church as a whole. Father, I pray for those who don't have children, that they may see their role as influencers, as mentors. Lord, as leaders of the future generation, those who are single, Lord, Lord those who, who, who that don't, have, don't have any desire to have children, Lord, it's okay, but, but that they may see themselves as, as older and more mature to help our younger children into our relationship with Christ. Father, fill us this morning with new vision for the future of the church much more than me or even us here or people here, but the future of the gospel in this place. Hallelujah.
Yes. Thank you.